Politics with me, the political poet, Jamia Zarzuela. And in today's episode, I'll be bringing out my mentor and professor to explore how what we believe either individually or collectively influences social norms, culture, and policies, especially ones that we've been dealing with today. Dr. Kamara Taylor is an award-winning professor holding a bachelor's and master's degree in political science, a master's in clinical psychology, and a PhD in neuropsychology with a specialized emphasis in cognition and instruction. Her unique teaching style creates teachable moments in the mundane and allows the classroom to be wherever she is. This Illinois native strives to break the stigma of mental illness with her books, Out of My Mind, The Uncurable, and The Myth of Crazy, as well as with projects that incorporate mental health and music. She also does this in the classroom, as well as in the various conferences and workshops that she holds. Kamara's passion is to infect, influence, and insulate by working with institutions nationally to bring forth change. So without further ado, here is episode three, I Am The Culture. I'm gonna start recording. I really like starting a conversation. Um, Okay, let's do that and just being in the middle of a conversation when when um listening to the podcast so how was your day <laughs> this morning uh, yeah my my day was it was busy my uh, puppy went over to a friend's house last night so I got like you know I'm a single puppy parent <laughs> so I had a I had a free night to do nothing and then I was like okay now what do I do if I don't have to get up super early and walk with my puppy right <laughs> so uh, I got up this morning and did Pilates. I usually do, I usually work out more in the evening or at early afternoon when I'm off. So I got up and, I, you know, did my gardening this morning, did Pilates and it's only 10 o'clock. So my puppy is back home now. He's laying right here, laying, at, laying down next to me, chilling. I, I did all of this by 10 a.m. So I'm like super proud of myself. So how about you? Yeah, the baby is sleeping. Um, Thank God, my puppy, my puppy is one and some change, maybe about one and three months now. And he had to go outside because he's too hyper. He's a husky. And if you know anything about huskies, they are a very busy breed and a very um, destructive breed. (laughs) But yeah, he's, he's outside right now. Um, and the baby is sleeping. I, I suspect that any moment he will wake up and he will kind of terrorize me and we're going to have to pause for about five seconds uh, or a little bit more than that to, so I can resettle him. Um, but I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, um, especially because I feel like you're like the perfect fit to talk about the culture and how an affirmation like how an I am statement how me saying something and how what we think will come into fruition and be our reality so at least how you um when you're when you're teaching a class your lecture just flows and like with culture and current events and what's popping now to 
structure um, to whatever lesson it is that we're supposed to be learning. And I feel like, dang, how do you do that? <laughs> I always feel like, dang, how is she able to just like make it like just flow off the, the tongue like that? The only person, only other person I know that can really flow is Dr. Shepherd. And it's crazy because I know that she's in she's like in flow space because someone will ask a very interesting question um that will possibly that would at least throw us off the loop and somehow she um segues back into the lecture with the question that was used. She's using every everything outside of her as a tool. Um and I just think that that's so cool. That's that's something that I admire about you in taking your class. Oh, thank you so much. I, I think maybe it's a Midwestern thing. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I don't know. I know Dr. Shepard is uh, uh, from Detroit mm-hmm. uh, originally, and I'm from Chicago originally, you know, and um, just, I mean, the freestyle of just being in, and I, I like what, I like the word that you use, being in flow, right? Um, when, you, when you think about meditation, right and we think about flow that's like our mind is so busy that we're just zoned in to that one thing right and i think that's what uh creativity is you know i think that's what the that, that's what drives us as a people especially a bipoc people i'm not saying that people that are not of color doesn't have the same thing but our creativity comes in our flow right our creativity comes from uh just like influence so i i don't i don't even really uh jamea to be honest with you i don't even use the word culture because i think it's such a propaganda type of word right now right i'm doing this for the culture like this is this is for the culture right you know um uh, this is culturally driven right you know i think i think the ownership of the word that when you are very cultured you don't even have to announce it right it's like I don't walk in the room and I'm like, hey, I'm black. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, um, um, it is apparent that people perceive what culture is extremely different, right? You know, um, it could be music, it could be clothing, it can be hairstyles. You know, I remember when I, um, well, my hair is really naturally curly. And I remember when I was going to first uh, lock my hair, right? And and people people were like talking to me out of it, like that's gonna put you in a box culturally. That puts you in a space where you're gonna get less job opportunities. I mean, it was a big conversation around hair and what mm-hmm. that means to as far as your culture, what that means as far as what you represent, and you know the strength, the strength, the representation of what locks are. You know, uh, just like the um, the ideology of what people perceive it on the outside to be and the internalization of what it means is two different things, right? Uh, yeah. People on the out- outside, you're Rastafari, like, you know, you smoke a lot of weed, <laughs> right? I actually, or, when I had locks, that was, that was my big problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you're a thug. Like in, in Chicago, you're you're you you are put in this box. Like you are a gangster. Like you hood. Like you know. So it. But what about the pride that comes along with it, right? What about getting back to our roots? That's not. And let me be very clear. That is 
not any of those are none of the reasons why I choose to lock my hair. I choose to lock my hair because my mother woke up and she had lost all of her hair to cancer, right? From the from the from the uh, from the chemo. And so I went to go cut my hair off. And this brother was like, yo, you have beautiful hair. I won't cut it off. What I'm gonna do is lock it. Okay. So like even my journey in it was different. Right. So when we when we look at, you know, culture, you know, and, and I respect that because half the time I'm in flow when I'm teaching. Right. I'm trying to see what comes from my heart is gonna reach the heart. And then I I I I, I intertwine that with pedagogy to make sense of the content. Right. But I'm so much in flow. My creative self is in flow. What I'm trying to do is give a gift. Right. And that gift of uh, educational creativity and learning. So I, I definitely that that, you know, when you compare me to a Dr. Shepard, who I have mad respect for um, as a colleague and a mentor, that's honorable to me. Right. You know, because there's not a lot of women of color that I can look up to in higher ed that are giants, right? Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. But yeah, that culture thing is is so new. The nuance of it is new, not the word, right? Like culturally driven. Like if you if you think about it, what people assume for Black people with culture was watermelon and fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chitlins. You know, that was the culture. You know, that was the culture, right? So, I mean, you know, um, it's, it's a very interesting word now and how it's, uh, it's being utilized and who is using it and in what context are they using it. So I, I definitely, I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing this conversation uh, with Poetry Pros and Politics to the table because it's a very, very permanent uh, a conversation to be had, yeah. Yeah, when I, I, that's a lot to unpack. I remember um, when my mom, my mom was the first person in my family, my entire family, to lock her hair up. She went to a really big loctician um, that wasn't, that did um, a tour to Miami so that she could go lock people's hair there. And this was in probably 2000 um, or 2001, somewhere around there. Um, so that's how long she's had. She's had her hair locked since, gosh, I, I assume before I can even run. Um, and so she, not to tell my age, I'm, I'm a millennial, but I'm, I'm still a Gen Zer. Right, right. <laughs> um, but she was the first person to lock my hair, her, her hair and my family. And with that, a lot of my family members were nervous that of the same thing. Is she going to be able to maintain her good job that she has? As she had, she had a great job um, back then and an even better job now. But for somebody that uh, didn't have a high school diploma um, in the middle of working to get her GED, she had a great job, she was making a lot of money, and then now she locks her hair. And to me, um, my mom just ended up looking like a, like the sun. Before she, she looked like a D'Angelo, um, 
music video or like a character from Love Jones. She her she was in leather and you know black and that was her that was her aesthetic. Yeah. And then I I saw the rest of my family get locks and it just became really normal and especially being from Florida and seeing those seeing Haitian people seeing um, Jamaican culture growing up around that so much and it being very influential in my life um yeah it it really would uh, annoy me when I would go to I was in something called youth and government over in Los Angeles um and I, many states have it um but youth and government was ran through or sponsored with the Y we learned about um local politics then we'd go to our capital um to fight for policies and um bills and we we learned about that the whole creation we would we would vote for our um our representatives for the actual state itself as well as our representatives for our section and it was really cool um but there was where i learned that me, a black girl who um, had a mom that made a lot of money, didn't make enough money for very expensive LA, was dependent on government assistance, especially assistance, especially because my dad was in prison um, and she had two other kids. So this single mom um, was not dependent, but it really helped her to have the government aid and I I at one point um, we were homeless um, and it was I mean because it's LA um, my good yeah. money don't always mean livable wage um, right. Right. and so I learned through youth and government that I don't experience the same America as a lot of my white, white counterparts, um, the kids that I went to school with. Um, and I also learned that good and bad, especially with my dad being in jail for like 17 years or so, I learned that good and bad isn't linear. It's, mm. it's not like it's either good or it's bad and it's black and white. I learned that the world is a lot of gray the, the, the deepest, darkest grays look black and the, you know, purest of creams <laughs> of grays look, look white. And just because it look, it doesn't mean it is. And so I was so annoyed with the fact that those kids would ask me if I knew who Waka Flocka was. And I'd be like, no, I listen to System on the Down. Do you, do you, I I was raised was raised every single morning my mom would play Bob Marley um, Sergio Mendez which is a Portuguese um, musician okay. and I would wake up to the smell of like lavender bleach it was mm -hmm. time to clean <laughs> that was that was yeah. my my good feeling and so. I would lie and say I didn't know who Bob Marley was. No, I don't know <laughs> to these kids because it was so annoying. Um, because I was, I felt like I had to stand and be a represent a representative of black a black person with locks. And so when I think about an affirmation, 
I, Jamia, am. Who am I? She, Jamia, is. Who is she? You, Jamia, are. I, that she, Jamia, is. When I knew who I was back back then and now, um, especially when I was still growing into myself, but how I was going to perceive she, Jamia, is a what? She's a drug dealer's daughter. She is a daughter of a mother that don't have a that has a ninth grade education and so it was they already came to me with these um with these ideas of me and I really wanted to just confuse the heck out of them because <laughs> I was just like no uh, yeah, I'm, you don't need to know that I'm a drug dealer's daughter, but even even still, a drug dealer's daughter is just as smart as you are. I'm in all AP classes, and I really wanted to shake up, you know, how people saw me. Kind of like Kanye, who I imagine is one of your favorite rappers. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's the reason why I think that um, when you when you think about how people perceive us, right, um, and how they perceive us as black, right? And what black looks like to others, what black sounds like, what black feels like, you know? Um, I was at this taking black pride event over like last week, right? In the city of uh, Seattle. And um, this young lady uh, that, that gets up and she's like a YouTube star, right? And like this kid, they're like, oh, this is the first like um, out something 18 year old kid. And this, and this girl is like, um, uh, like a white girl, right? A little young white girl. And she's like, um, you know, mimicking, you know, appropriation of, um, maybe Nicki Minaj mixed with Megan Thee Stallion, right? You know, um, the linguistics, right? And I'm and I'm looking, right? And not that I don't think that, like, um, you know, I was so shocked that culturally, right, this is what she sees as Black music. This is what she sees as mimicking Black culture, right? Yeah. And when we see someone like Kanye West, who for most, for most, it's like, oh man, throws off his rockers, right? But when we, when we, when he says things early on that mimics pop, <laughs> right? Um, um, he's shunned, like from the industry, right? Yeah. He's put in his box, but then we, he aligns himself with a um, Trump, then he's shunned again and put in this box, right? Um, and he th he does things to challenge the, the social norm, right? He never said that he was a Republican. He said, why isn't it that Black people have to choose to be Democrat because of where you live? That is something right? that, that is something that I never saw him as crazy for and I would always argue with my friends about. But that's because the man that raised me, not my biological dad, but um, shout out to the man that raised me and loved on me so much and helped me grow and nurture into being somebody so into politics. Mm -hmm. 
he I went to him one day and I said oh so dad are you gonna um vote for Obama <laughs> back when I was a little girl and he said why why am I gonna vote for Obama and I'm like well because it's it's history he's making history he's gonna be the first black president it's he's like Jamia baby you I'm gonna vote for him because he's black and I said <laughs> yeah that's great right he's gonna be the first he was like no what is he doing for us yes 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 what is what why am i going to vote for him just because he's black i'm like well dad that's it's don't we want to win he's like okay but just how many black people do you know harm Mm. okay how many white people do you know love okay so baby we gonna vote for (laughs) we gonna vote for whoever is loving up on us and not going to harm us or at least is going to harm us the least yes i feel that i feel that that's how i when when people say my husband you know my husband comes from another um country he's dominican meaning that they have democracy there was corruption um still is kind of uh they're trying to fix it now with this new president that they got god won't digress Yes, yes, yeah, but we can, but we can, we can, we we can add that in when we're talking about culture, though. But but go go right ahead. <laughs> but he, but he he is a conservative, and for all, like, with the definition of what a true conservative is supposed to be, or what a true Republican is supposed to be he would align himself with that because and he says that there is no such thing as republican and democrat it's just crazy people that that is per that is projected with our media that is presented with how with with outbursts it's just like it looks like just crazy people and pacifiers mm. and so you know it's really interesting to see a person from a developing country specifically their perspective on our government yes um, because it really opens your eyes but I don't think my family was ever really as democratic as we would think that they would be I think that they're not republican and don't align themselves to be conservative because Mm -hmm. they're not wanted there I'm talking about they're christian they're baptist christian at that um, mm-hmm. because the the uh, Pentecostal church had transitioned over to baptism uh, instead and so it's long dresses and it's modesty and it's all of these things all of these beliefs that I grew up with that would otherwise align me with and they they you know built themselves up to be sustainable and not want to um, depend so much on the government unless it's needed but mm-hmm. because candidates on the republican end is, will always hurt them um especially in the south then they are voting a democrat me i don't i don't think that any of my family are really party aligned I don't think that they will actually say I'm a Democrat. I think they will word it. I vote Democrat because, and that's what I have come to learn at my age is that 
both of these, I don't even think Joe Biden is, is Democratic. I think I think Joe Biden is not even moderate. I think that he's Republican. But because, <laughs> but, but, but I'm talking about Republican, like what by definition Republican is supposed mm-hmm. to be. Wanting, mm-hmm. wanting small, quote unquote, small government. Wanting, even though, you know, with Roe versus Wade, the reason why even states, you know, were were fighting for more power was actually so that they could have control over the South and how they dealt with their how they dealt with slavery and how they dealt with new um, newly freed enslaved Black people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is meaning that the whole idea of states state power and all of that stuff just comes from you know systematic racism, but that's another conversation but I just how do you navigate um, as a as a person with your peers and family members that you have to explain like look this show isn't what you think it is it's a whole bunch of grays light grays and, and dark grays and especially this new gray is really grayish how do you navigate through that? Because I don't even know how to explain to my sister that the reason why you were voting for a lesser evil, because my sister doesn't want to vote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you know what, you're, you're, you're right. Like, I think that the, um, the obligation that has been put on people of color is to align themselves with a democratic, um, candidate right so I grew up in Chicago which is a um, every every place outside of Chicago is more conservative but Chicago is a democratic machine so I can recall um, earlier voting when I turned 18 and going to the polls and only having the option of voting for Democrat um, candidates in my in my community right mm. um, unless it was a presidential uh, a race thing you to choose uh, the president right so you're kind of forced into and we and you know and we're talking about that's right there if we're going to talk we're going to define culture that's creating a culture of aligning ourselves to be limited in our thought process right um i had this individual that was interested in me like in a dating uh scene right and they were like oh my god you're such an amazing human you have such a great heart like you know you're kind you're loving you're sweet you're romantic and but they turned around and told me like but i could never you could never be my person because you're too conservative right and i i i you know as 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 highly educated in the much respect that i have uh for this person i was like that's great because uh, you know everyone can decide who they choose to be you know aligned with them but it also saddened me that you know that people clearly don't understand humanity and politics and polity right and how the great divide of who we are as a people has already been created with us aligning us with people of color was only republicans back in the day mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and now it, shifted and now it's it shifted right you know um and how people of color especially um blacks and and and, and latins 
are highly conservative in their view, their religious view, their view of sexuality, their view, like, like you know, so it's, to me, when we talk about um, political culture, right? We, and, and you have a Kanye West that aligns himself one way and people like shuns him, or he says things about like, slavery was the choice. <laughs> right to shake people up right to start a conversation um about you know could could we could we have gotten out right so um i don't know you know because when i look at like creating um this infrastructure what culture is for me as a woman of color in this country i have to cultivate myself in a multitude of who I am, clearly defining myself daily, you know, um, not based off of my inner me, but based off of trying to not fit in a box of what society sees me as, as a black woman, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, I, I get what you're saying. And when I had conversations with people about not uh, particularly voting for any candidate based off of race, but based off of like, you know, you know, what they are doing, what they're, how they pouring in, um, then I'm kind of shunned, right? You know, I'm like, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I love this conversation about, you know, just understanding ourselves within the term culture right which then kind of expands on what does culture look like for me what does how do i internalize that you know how how do i go throughout my day navigating myself as a poor black kid you know that's not seen as biracial that's seen as black like you know what i'm saying how do i how do i cultivate myself in a society when i walk down the street they don't see me as a doctor right they see me as a threat you know, how, how do you, how do you, but then embrace the idea of my black culture in music, in, in clothes, in food, in arts, you know, um, it's a, it's a very, you know, interesting dynamic. I, I think Washington state on the surface is very inclusive on the surface, but it's not. It's very exclusive, you know. It 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 excludes a lot of people out if you're not a Washingtonian, you know. If you don't align yourself with um, a very uh, I'm gonna say liberal mindset, but um, uh, allegiant thinking of being liberal, you know, because that's a part of the culture. But like, are we living it, right? You know, when we talk about the culture, are we living it? You know, we. I, I like what you look, what you what you said, and what you said about, you know, um, even with, you know, you know, what's it's it's Kanye a genius, right? But he he, you know, the 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 individual, you know, spelled it like genius, right? You know, um, and I and I would say like, would we question his antics because Beethoven and Mozart also was a little bit off their rockers, right? And we live by their art. So is Shakespeare, you know, and we live by their art. So was Machiavelli. And we live by their art, 
you know, their contribution. So, I mean, when we talk about culture, you can't talk about hip hop and black culture without without mentioning a Tupac Shakur or a Kendrick Lamar now or Kanye West or Biggie Smalls or, I mean, even without a, you wouldn't have a Megan Thee Stallion if you didn't have a little Kim or Foxy Brown or, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, I, I love music, right? I, I think I think if my in my next life, <laughs> I'm gonna be Beyonce, right? Uh, but like, I love music so much. I love the arts. I love the arts, whether it's the ballet or the orchestra or, you know, um, just like live music, uh, uh, artists that like Lucky Day and Sir, uh, Snow, you know, just Jasmine Sully, like people that doesn't really get to take an India R.E.s, you know. Um, but when I think about when people see culture, do they even infuse soul, right? Do they understand the lyrics, you know? Um, do they do they understand um, the feeling? You know, do they do they cry when they listen with the struggle of a relationship in the words or 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 this you, you know it's it's so interesting because you can replicate the culture but 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 if you don't live it, do you understand it? Right? You know, Kanye grew up with a single mother, you know, with no dad around, which he had to like navigate this space of being a man being a black man and, and and thinking different in a city that probably deemed him to be gay because he wasn't hard enough. You know, so like, I, I wonder if people even understand what culture is, you know, like really intimately, you know, like I can't wash off my mocha skin even if I wanted to, right? Yeah. I, I really feel like the interesting part about culture is there are people that are shifting how we, the masses, view what culture is. Mm. Kendrick, for example, to me, is that person that I go to and I say, this is the person that I feel like shifts perspective on how other people that aren't black and even black people will view culture. Mm. Um, and it's just really interesting, uh, like you were saying, um, people, when, when we think about Kanye, we ask, you know, or we'll say like Kanye is cocky, conceited, confident, crazy. He calls himself a genius. He says that I am a god. I am a genius. You, you're looking at um, albums like Yeezy, where that's literally the title of the song, and uh, where he laughs, laughs it off. Um, people, how people perceive him with songs like or with uh, freestyles like "I Miss the Old Kanye," but at the at the end of the day. Um, I I look to folks like Kanye, like Jay, like Kendrick, because I feel like they not only just like challenge 
what they created or what they probably lived in to say, yeah, this is culture. Um, but they, they're they really walking in a space in where they recognize that we almost believed, a, a, well, we some folks believe a false narrative. Um, when I look at like hip hop, right? We look at um, gangster rap and it was even in a case um, where it was said to incite imminent lawless action. And this is in uh, Davidson versus Time Warner because mm-hmm. it was after a Texas State trooper was, was murdered by someone listening to Tupacalypse Now. Mm-hmm. So the that federal d- district court yes baby that federal district court sided with Time Warner and ruled that the album was protected under the first amendment so yes like when when we think about what when I think about what hip hop is I I only thought of it as a reflection of my reality and what it is that I'm listening to or what it is that I'm, I'm experiencing but I never really saw it as a the end all be all because mm-hmm. I had jazz I had blues I had um I had so many other outlets of of experiencing you know blackness and black culture and then not only blackness and black culture african-american wise when I, I'm saying black but the african diaspora when I say black um, li- like I said, listening to Sergio Mendez that took beats from that that's taking music from actual Africa drums from Africa. When you're listening to merengue and bachata and dembo, and it's a, a fusion of like Afri- uh, African styles, um, Latin uh, styles, the indigenous uh, instruments, and so on and so forth. <coughs> just want to be loud today huh yeah it's okay I love you too but when I'm when I'm thinking about (coughs) but when I'm thinking about it reflecting my reality especially my reality being the drug dealer's daughter being seeing you know what my cousins are facing oh you okay When I, yes, do you mind if I finish my conversation? Um, when I think about um, music, hip hop specifically being a reflection, and I hear songs like Smoking and Drinking by YG featuring Kendrick, <laughs> I hear, um, I hear self-medication because they are living a tough reality. They're living in the hood. Somebody just got shot. Somebody that they love and that they care about. Uh, somebody they're wanted, whatever the case is. And that's a real reality. That's a real um, experience that I've seen. When I when I listen to um, Future, <laughs> prime example, I hear somebody that is self-medicating because he is feeling he's feeling like he's not really cared about 
and his attention that he gets is saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in, you're talking about he's he, he's always talking about lean and Percocet and well, yeah, lean Percocet, codeine stuff that you know a southerners, especially Houston uh, community, would know about. Um, when you're thinking about Pepsi um, and DJ Screw, and I'm listening to Chopper Screw, I'm hearing, baby, you can't keep doing that. Well, how about give me just a second? Oh, you can't keep. You can't. Oh, 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 oh. Here. No, here. Here. Cause you being on my lap and playing with that is that's not cool you see i'm trying to do something here can you go sit down please yes okay well you're gonna have to give that up retire one of them you're gonna have to retire one of them sir on top of the keyboard so pardon me <laughs> i've lost my train of thought anyway when i think about um when i, when I think about how hip-hop has evolved i'm thinking about the funkiness of curtis mayfield for for pushman um i'm your mother i'm your i'm what does he say i'm your doctor in the alley <laughs> when i think of when i think of um Curtis Mayfield and Pusha Man, I think about the cocaine epidemic. I think about how that evolved from <coughs> oh. Good. I think about how that's evolved from um, Billie, Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit mm. um, and how in lynching in the Jim Crow South. Yes. Lynching in the Jim Crow South. I think about um, how that was even a, an illegal song to to uh, perform back then. How she would get in trouble if she would perform that song, and the reasons why she would get in trouble for for performing it. But I also think of how that that song was just a manifestation of old Negro spirituals, um, yeah. like "Hold On," which literally was was. It was almost like a tool to hold for anchor throughout the hardest of a enslaved black person's life in America. Yeah. So yeah. when I think about hip hop, I don't think about it like, oh yeah, he's talking about um, like the disrespect of women and he's talking about killing his op <laughs> and right. that being my culture. That's, that's not what I view as my culture. I view, I see it as this is the human condition to survive mm-hmm. and that being it in survival, especially in America for black people has been almost like an identity that we've had to maintain because we were forced to. It's not like we wanted that, but we were we were with every single policy that was created was forced that was forced upon us. Um, 
and it it's just a reflect hip hop to me yes hip hop culture and black culture um has it intertwines but i think what people get wrong is they think that it's surface deep and while we do have some songs that's just party music and it's just recklessness it's not surface deep uh and it concerns me because like i said with affirmations i ju- i know who jamia is i jamia am enough i jamia am a creator i jamia am that i am but when somebody already perceives me with however it is i choose to wear my hair she jamia is with that affirmation am i choosing to believe that and then how do black kids jamal or july my son king july is is he going to take on that identity and and then start acting like um what people perceive him to be simply because that's what he was told uh and that's something that i think that you you even talked about in your in your lectures yeah well i, I think i think us creating the narrative early on empowers who we see ourselves as right you know um you know like as you said like with your affirmations right you know but a- having affirmations and strong affirmations as a foundation and understanding how society is going to see you and talking about that as a as in our household you know um unfortunately for the kids that don't have that foundation that's when the narrative gets twisted um you know that's when society gets to define if they are a criminal or they are they are they constructive or they are or are they disastrous right you know um i come from a similar a background of family who were notorious drug dealers right i'm not talking about you know pack workers on the corner but notorious drug dealers in in chicago right and so often time when people saw me they like oh that skiwi cousin that skiwi doing that ski like you like like you know what i'm saying and oh that's for them right you know like uh you you become who society places this label of you who you are and sometimes because you're a kid and you're evolving and you're changing and you're shifting and we continuously shift and evolve right as as humans as adults um we want to fulfill that narrative because we don't know a different story that's why i think exposure right what i wish would happen with people especially our people that we have in the arts and music and 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 um you know entertainment in general of people of color that they sit down and have these conversations of like this you know this was my experience because this is what I was suffering through you know what i'm saying like you said about when somebody when when somebody talking about lean all the time like you know are are they working with the with the pharmaceutical company right or that was a a, a human reaction for depression right this is how i cope this is this is how i cope you know and a beautiful thing is that we tell our stories we tell our stories through our words you know um this not just i'm mimicking life this is my lived in experiences my qualitative experiences on 
what happened to me, what I what I what I've experienced, what I see around me, what's in my what's in my neighborhood, what's happening in my household. You know, um, our stories are powerful, and that's why we can relate. Yeah, the beat is nice, right? Yeah, the beat is banging, right? But at the same time, the words are real. You know, when I think about things like uh, a drill music, that's real. You know, when 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 I when I think about like when I'm relating to whatever sung it, that's real. You know, they telling my story. I think it was Roberta Roberta Flack, right? Uh, um, uh, um, Lauren Hill remade it. What was it? Uh, killing, not killing me softly. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was killing me softly, right? Uh, when she was like singing, singing his life. You know, singing my life through his words. You know what I'm saying? That's real, right? When we when we have that connection, that connectivity, when we walk in a room, Jamia, and somebody give us the head nod, right? And it makes oh, us feel welcome. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's this, that it's it's that same feeling when we when we when we hear lyrics, right? That's a welcoming head nod to us. That that's us saying, hey. Not only is this my story, I know you relate to this, right? And to me, if, if I had to put a, a, a coinage into defining what culture is to me, that's culture, that interrelates, that interrelation of like, I feel you. You know, I don't care if you if you are a neuropsychologist or if you, uh, the way they're at, at, at uh, Dick's Burgers, like, I feel you, I get you, I see you, you're seen. Like you're hurt, your pain is there. I know it because I, I have the same pain. Maybe I don't maybe I don't cope with it with lean. Maybe, maybe I cope with it with exercise, or maybe I cope with it with uh burying myself in just getting myself more knowledgeable. Maybe I, you know, more, like before I got so Kanye fixed, right? Um, the person, like my family, you you you'll you'll be so surprised. My family called me Tupac. <laughs> right it, it's funny it, it's funny I don't know I don't know why my cousin Ebony uh shout out to my cousin Pooh Pooh Ebony um just start like you know to them I'm the Tupac of my family I guess I'm assuming right you know and we we be on family calls you know, okay Pac like you know what what you know that's that's an honor that means that my narrative that I'm telling like it's, it's speaking volumes, it's a political stance, but it's an emotional stance, it's a real stance, it's like interconnected family, it's breaking chains, it's like understanding barriers, like it's, it's, it's breaking down walls, but building up dreams, like, you know, it's, to me, that's what culture is, when we can see ourselves in each other without even meeting each other. Right? Yeah. And you can't tell me that somebody else outside of that that real culture can relate to that. You know, um, my my bio father, who is a very white man, <laughs> right? Um, he, you know, the first time I had a conversation with this brother about what I did, he says, Well, you know, you you you're German, you know, all of us is uh, smart and you know. And great, and and I and I'm thinking to myself like that is that is arrogance, and that is so disconnected <laughs> because you know my black skin didn't get me through the door to actually actually even being here in this moment. It has created 
barriers because people don't see my works, they see my flesh, right? They see my melanin. So I, you know, he would never understand culture. His his story is so different, right? His story is like, you, you German, you got some Hungarian, you're Hungarian and Germany, you you should get it. Like you should be a boss. You should like, like, you know, it's it's such a disconnect, right? Because they don't understand that, like just just being in a room and being, being, oftentimes being the only, being the one that's voices need to be silenced or heard creates an environment where people see you as this specific portion of your culture, right? Um, when we think about people like Marcus, Marcus Garvey, right? Um, I tell people all the time, I am a combination of, of Malcolm and Martin, right? And oftentimes I'm way more Malcolm than I ever would be Martin. On paper, I'm Martin, right? In reality, I'm Malcolm, right? And what I mean by that is because they both infuse political culture, right? They both had a hand in helping us to understand what we should have been aligning ourselves. Now, their policies, their ideologies differ, rightfully so, right, you know, but on the contrast, society separated them because their vision was the same. Their alignment was the same. Because their experiences was the same of how they was being treated as black men in this country. You know, at a time where we still see black men and women and, and, and men and women of color being treated the same way based off of what people believe our culture should be. Getting back to like um, uh, Barack real quick, I know we we run out of time. Um, um, you know, get it get it back to that aspect of like you know why we align ourselves based off of race. I don't do anything based off of race, right? You know, I am a proud woman of color in this country but I don't align myself with people based off of our race. I align myself with people that's based off of goodness, right? Based off of who, how I see they navigate spaces and treat others, right? Because to me, that matters, right? To me, that matters so much more than just the melanin of our skin, right? Yeah, community is great. Community helps to build and create what we, what we think is like, what culture is like we say things like black lives matter right when we say things like you know blue lives matter when we say things like all lives matter when we say things like but damn does my individual life matter to you <laughs> like i get it in theory right in theory that's culturally appropriate to to stay, but in theory, when I walk down the street, do you acknowledge me? When I walk down the street, do I acknowledge you? If I see Jamia and I know Jamia is not the scholar that she is, am I treating her with the worth as a human that she should be that she should be treated as? You know, and so I kind of navigate myself in these spaces, and I get in I get in trouble a lot, Jamia. 
I get in trouble. Listen, I get in trouble because I'm not the average scholar. I'm not the average professor. I'm not the average administrator. I get in trouble because I don't put myself in others in boxes, right? So when, when I saw what you was wanted to speak about today about culture, it, it, it kind of threw me for a loop because I'm like, hell, our culture is defined by what a, white America says it is now. You know, our music is regulated by, by what CEOs. Well, yes, but why CEOs, if uh, white kids are the most populated with buying hip hop, then even people of color, and we're making it. You know, so it is, it is clearly, it is clearly, uh, at, we are at a distance of defining what and whom we are culturally. Right, especially being a person of color in this country, right? If I'm a person of color from other countries, I can go back, I can trace my roots. But my roots as a black American in this country is as white <laughs> as me thinking about baseball <laughs> and apple and apple pie, right? And, and owning a home. You know, it's it, you know, so it gets confused because. What, who do we turn to to understand who we are? You know, we 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 are the 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 ancestors of the ancestors of the ancestors and the generation the generation the generation so far removed of slaves whose identity was lost. So Africa Africans always would denounce me because I am ancestrally from Africa, but I'm not an African. Right? In black, that's just a that's just a spectate of color that was given to help define or put some type of label to me, right? So I mean, when I hear people saying, you know, nigga, right? And you know, and people, black people own that word, right? You know, we 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 whatever, right? You know, you know, you we we put Thank the you, you know we Right, we like we 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 coined that word to empower ourselves in it in such a more embraceive way, so it won't have harm and con you know and a content to it. You know, is that is is that a part of my culture? Right? Does that does that define who I am? You know, um, it's just it's complicated, right? Our our being a Black American in this country and you're talking about culture, it's complicated because who we are originally and still are is still defined by others and not us, right? And our households, even Christianity, like I, I, I believe in God, right? But well, I don't believe in religion because that's defined, the culture of religion for me is defined by somebody else. You know, you 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 was a slave, and then Sundays you, you know, you can worship, <laughs> like, and read this Bible that's still gonna continue to justify you being a slave, right? You know, because so it's not even the, I wrote this Bible specifically for the slave, specifically the slave for the slave, removing chapters so that you wouldn't want to run. So so you can so you can understand why you enslaved, right? So I mean, when we when we look. I mean, like on a surface, yes, it's music, it's arts, and people are mimicking who we are, and they like appropriations, like you know, like yada yada yada. 
but internally, deeply, could we even say it's for the culture when we don't even know what the hell the culture is? Because it's still defined by white people for us. You know, when, when I'm looking, Nike owns hashtag Black Lives Matter. <laughs> How did that switch? When I look in, and it's, and I, and I, and I like I said, I, I do a lot of, I, I love music. So, you know, when, when CEOs that are not of color determine what I can listen to and what I can say, I mean, how, then what is my culture? You yeah. can't tell me it's still just fried chicken and watermelon. Because that was also told me what what I can and cannot have and what black culture is, you know? Barbecues. Yeah. By, by white people. And I don't, listen, this is not about right, white versus black, but this is about when we're talking about culture, then how do we get it? If my Hungarian side of my family understands gypsies, right? They understand that our, the food in a culture is zerba and goulash, right? That's clear. I can chase, I can trace that back to generations. That culture is deep, it's clear, it's, it's, it's laid out, right? But being a black person in this country, my culture is defined by whatever white people still tell me that my culture is defined by. So when I say for the culture, am I really saying, oh, this is really for the white man? I don't know. Right. I'm doing it for the culture. You know, I I, I love Even when, with basketball. No. Even yes. with sports and football. Yes. It's still not, it's still not like more, yeah, sure, we play basketball um, and football and even baseball, or, but we'll play football and basketball and that be our, we're so great at athletics. It's still, well, I watched like a, a mini documentary where it was still being compared to um, slavery and auctioning yeah. off black folks. Yes, I, I watched that same thing and I thought to myself, as as rich and rich as you has a, a Michael Jordan and a, and, a, and, and a Magic Johnson and all these individuals, why no one ever thought about a BNA, a BIPOC National Association? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Instead of a national, you know, association, you know, an NBA. Like, you know, why no one ever thought, thought about like a, a Black Basketball Association? You know, a BBA, like, you know what I'm saying? Or a black football league, a national black football, like, you know, oh, a BIPOC national football league, a, you know, something like that. We're no longer just on display. Yeah, no they, longer just they turn display. themselves into free agents because that's as close as it gets. And so I feel like we are in a, I feel like the reason why generations prior to mine really are annoyed by uh, Gen Zers and Millennials, something that I consider myself to be both at the same time because I was born in 95. So with that, um, I just feel like they get mad at us because we are saying, hey, we see that y'all didn't want to take this 
stuff, but it was still cool for, um, in your day, for everybody to laugh at Eddie Murphy, um, Eddie Murphy's joke when he came out offending homosexuality. Uh, he was in that red uh, tracksuit, I think it was. Uh, oh, wrong. It, it's, yeah. it's called Raw. Yeah, yeah. He came out and can't say that Eddie Murphy was as wrong as he was because I listened to the crowd after he said the joke and the whole theater was on fire laughing. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was the society, it was our social acceptance of what he was saying at that time that led him to be comfortable to feel like this was okay. And that's why I can't ever cancel, um, a whole bunch of people that we quote unquote want to what is cancel culture that's a whole nother conversation but to your points on um for the culture and what is the culture well that that's why I, I i recognize that my husband and i are completely different my husband is not an african-american man he is a black man right. he right. is not african-american he didn't watch martin he, <laughs> he, don't, he don't know if I say something like, damn, Gina, he wouldn't know what I'm talking about. If, right, I, was to say, right. if I was to say, uh, you ain't got a lie, Craig, he won't know what I'm talking about. Right, right. <laughs> if I, like, he, and not to say that my culture is convinced to a whole bunch of movies and hip hop and uh, references of Love Jones and uh, th- not to say that that's what my culture is condensed to but if rightfully so if he, if he was to come to me and talk about some merengue song I would know unless he told me you know a particular reference of what something means and they have this word tigre, which is a tiger and it's like the n-word it's aloof it's an aloof or endearing or casual use of to, to call or to talk about a Dominican person or Dominican people. Just like the N-word. I can use it angry. Right. I can use it happy. I can use it to, to hug you, to to reference to this person and that person. Figuerito to make it cute, meaning my son. You know, I can I can really big it up. Um, but you know, it's it's really interesting because like you said even the n-word itself was a word given to us by use means of harm and so when i think of and, and we beautified that we beautified this use of harm so when i think about like what is african-american culture specifically when i when i'm saying black culture i think survival and I feel like that's where me and my husband, who is not African-American, but is a black person, um, because those the meanings are interchangeable as to, to be African-American or to be a part of the black, the African diaspora, um, the dispersal of African people um, along this whole continent. I feel like, I feel like our need for survival by any means necessary unfortunately our like you don't ever you didn't hear 
my grandma, if I was to ask my grandma born 1919, if she lived through the depression, she'll say, baby, what was that? I was always poor. She didn't, nobody in my family was jumping off buildings and rooftops. <laughs> right. so saying, she was already in, it was already depression. Um, and I think that something that uh, most white folks don't understand is that the reason why we have, we're so attached to community the way that we are because of our color is because that is the common denominator of discrimination and then the need, for the, the means of us knowing we have to survive. Um, I, I connect my husband and I's different experiences in blackness because the first time he was the, the first day that he became a black man, I mean, the first day he became an American <laughs> is the day that he became an American. He got called as the N-word. He posted himself, uh-huh. he posted himself being in his, in his uniform as an American soldier, um, as now a citizen, and he got called the N-word. And wow. so my dad to him, the man that I was talking about, the man that raised me, he said, welcome, brother. Right. Hey, welcome to America. I am welcome. We completely embrace you. That's what he told him. He said, "Welcome." Wow. He said, "You're you're you're with us now. You're one of us now." Wow. And that joke, because even blackness, with with the way that we joke, I, uh, Will Smith says it really great in his book. Um, Will he says that in essence he he talks about how black people. When we joke, we want a little bit of harsh truth in it. It's gritty. But right, with, with yeah. white people, it's like funny and it's farts and it's like us with at least with children. It's it's like this their humor is completely different and it's the reason why we can't we'll say that, you know, whatever comedian isn't funny because it's kind of gross, uh, to us at least. But right. to black people it's gritty. It's welcome, brother, ha ha. It's it laughter is our survival. Listening to to whatever it is that we're listening to that we can relate to is our survival. It's it's that head nod. My dad gave him that head nod that you were talking about and mm-hmm. of understanding and of just allowing you to be and exist because we live in a society that quite literally doesn't really care for our existence and us being. And so I wonder how, I always wonder, how can we fix this problem when I, I have a little boy now? And I, <laughs> who you hear, but I have a little boy and I wonder how, how am I supposed to fix how, what people project on him or what he accepts? Because people are going to project on you, whatever, but he, right. he is presenting he is a um, ambiguous presenting boy. He don't look, he looks like he's mixed with his blonde hair and, oh my gosh, with his blonde hair, with his green eyes, with his fairer skin, fairer than him and uh, his, his father's and my, my skin. He He's very ambiguous looking. He looks like he's a little mixed kid. He looks like he could say that he's this or that and people will believe him. He could, he could say a couple of different things. Um, and somebody will believe him and and he still will face the um, he still will face racial discrimination 
he will be told also to speak English. This is America. Mm. Black people will be like, ah, I don't really know if you belong here or I'm a kind of sort of, you know, mm, you because you're going to have colorist privilege, which is not really, it's more like a backhanded compliment getting right. um, colorism privilege. Um, and I'm like, how do I fix this? Because I, you ain't never, you, he can't ever think that him going, uh, living in the suburbs means that he's anywhere close to being a gangster. But I mean, there are right. kids that, <laughs> that identify that, because it happened with me. I have family members who I know, they was, they were like, they're from the streets. And I'm like, from Hyde Park, boy. What are you talking about? <laughs> like we, you live in, you live where there's tons of palm trees and it's a gated community. Place. Right, right. Um, but I, I wonder how can I, how do I fix this other than just telling him what uh, Lao Tzu said? Watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words because they become actions. And watch your actions because they become habits. And watch your habits because they become your character. In your character have to watch that because it becomes your destiny son and that's the I don't know if that's good enough <laughs> sometimes mm. and I know I'm going to learn it um and I know that all I know is the experience of a fairer skinned black woman the a drug dealer's daughter the the daughter of this and that the descendant of this person and that person who are all very black and proud to be but how do I I always wonder how do I navigate with him so that he doesn't take on the things that I used to believe that people would tell me as a dyslexic person, as a queer person. And, and even now being, because I'm in a heteronormative relationship, which for uh, political correctness um, term, it just means I'm in a in a relationship where I'm presenting to to no longer be a part of the LGBTQ community because I'm with a man and had a baby with him, uh, or I'm with a cis man uh, who was assigned male at birth and I had a baby with him as a cis woman. So how I I just wonder how am I gonna with all of these nuances? How do I protect him? from from this from this colonized mentality because that's what really what it is do you think that i know you don't have any children but no I, no, I don't have any children but as a but as an auntie um what i typically do is i still try to give them the tools to navigate it because it's only so much that I can do, that their parents can do, that can shield them from the harsh reality. I think I do the same thing that my parents do, is prepare us, right? Uh, prepare us for the moments that they cannot protect us, right? Giving us those tools to understand that, like, regardless of how um, we're approached or treated, whether it's, whether it's loved on or hated on, uh, whether it's embraced or rejected, that um, that we would still have the tools to not internalize it as a part of who we are, right? 
that we leave it at the door. Either one, you know, if people are giving me accolades or if they or if they talking against me, it's all the same to me, right? Because neither defines who I am. Only my own internal works, the things that I do, define who I am. So I think that like that's the greatest gift that we can give is the empowerment of self. Because society, this world is very amazing and great because we're alive in it, but it's very cruel and disparaging at moments if we allow it to be, if we allow it to bring us down. And it's a hard, it's a hard task. Like, you know, um, um, I always say all the time is as much as I love kids, I don't know how I will be able to raise a kid in a society that, you know, I don't know how my parents raised me in a society that just discredited and discount who I am once I'm out of the womb, you know, whether that's from the lack of medical attention that's given to people of color, whether that's the lack of access to availability of education, regardless of what neighborhood we live in, you know, um, if you're blessed and one of the onlys <laughs> in a neighborhood, uh, in a community that you can get affordable education, affordable health care, um, then you're still looked at a certain way. You know, how do you how do you stay grounded? And uh, to me, we, we begin to teach our kids how to stay grounded by grounding them early on with the tools that they're going to need to plant themselves. You know, I was writing something the other day. Um, and as we close out, I know it, it, it makes me think about it makes me think about that. Hold on. I'm sorry. My dog walker is coming. Um, and it made me think about being rooted like a tree you know, uh, being rooted like a tree and what what are we branching out to do? And so and so I just um I just, you know, I want to close out by saying that like, you know, we, you know, being rooted like a tree, you know, if we're being rooted like a tree, what are we branching out to do? You know, how are we pouring in? How are we giving those tools? And I and I think that's the greatest gift that we can give, just be rooted. You know, stay rooted. I wish, sometimes I wish I was a tree, right? Trees have seen so much, you know, and people are like, well, you know, they weather the storm, but they've been around for everything. They've seen people change. They have seen civilizations change. They live through pandemics and recessions and depressions, you know, um, but they're still rooted. They're still grounded. And, and, and when they get uncomfortable, they grow differently, right? If, if they know that the light is going to, they start to branch out differently, right? And so I wonder if we can give our kids that same tool, right? And we can give them the tools to be rooted like a tree when things start, when weather afflictions come, when people start to say things, when people start to mistreat them, when people begin to do things to uh, make them feel less than, when they when, when your baby's so light-skinned that they say, hey, you're not black enough. Uh, when you're so dark, when they say, why are you that black, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, so I think the greatest gift that we can give is to stay rooted, rooted like a tree and know what it is that we're branching out to do and never let anybody shape that, but shape who we become, even in our trials and tribulations and adversities, you know, um, to remain resilient, you know? And that's all I have to say. Oh, shit. 
With COVID putting a damper on connecting and networking, I had to find a new way to business card. That's why I went with Link. My Link card allows me to share my podcasts, social media, websites, or whatever else about me while still keeping it safe and social distancing. The card's NFC capability allows me to share all of that in just a tap of the phone. And the QR code on the back lands people to a custom page that I've modified for Black Lives Matter or COVID updates. In fact, you can listen to this very episode up on there now. So say goodbye to handing out your old business cards and say hello to Link. And because you're a part of the Speak Free fam, enjoy a 15% off discount by using Poetry Pros at checkout. That's visiting linkapp.com and typing in Poetry Pros. That's L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot C-O-M and typing in P-O-E-R-T-Y-P-R-O-S-E when you get like me and grab yourself a new way to business card. a wrap if you like this episode and want to hear more like it then don't forget to follow the show poetry post and politics at the political poet everywhere you are social that's t-h-a-p-o-l-i-t-i-c-a-l-p-o-e-t everywhere you are social this show is also aired on KTQALP 95.3 FM Tacoma, so you can always catch me over there on their airwaves, or you can listen to me wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Until next time, catch you later.